0: Welcome to the Sixer Sense Podcast, hosted by co experts, Lucas Johnson and Christopher Klein.
2: Welcome back, everybody. I'm Lucas. I got Chris here. Uh, Uri is unable to join us tonight. Uri is our producer, of course. We're, it was a great uh, midweek edition for the podcast, especially after that Utah game, which was, which we are now recording right after the results there. So, Chris.
1: And, and
2: yeah. That's a good way to put it there. That's for sure.
1: Um. Yeah, very happy. Very pleased with how that game ended. Last game before the break, which means the Sixers are going to be in first place after the All-Star break. Well, um, it looks like Brooklyn's going to win tonight as well, so they'll still be a half game up over Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, really wonderful game from Joel. Tobias hit some big shots down the stretch. A pretty decent Ben Simmons game. Rudy Gobert... Got his his you know what kicked time again, and time poor man. And after I defended him, not yeah, I was about to say Chris. Chris, really bad look for me.
2: Yeah, it's not just you know it's not just the Sixers putting Gobert on um fire. It's also Zion Williamson this past week too, man. Uh, yeah, I, I think you need to really, change your vote.
1: He's not making me look good, and I mean this yeah. wasn't even that great a game from Ben Simmons defensively. But, like, Donovan Mitchell, 34 shot attempts, 12 makes. That's what a win. Man?
2: <laughs> Gobert might be the anchor for the NBA's best defense, but he's been put on on blast lately, man. Like, yeah. I don't know how you can keep your vote as Gobert at this point. He's been put on, you know, been put on spot by both Ben and Joel. Zion Williamson. I don't know who else off the top of my head, but those are three elite players that he's been unable to shut down. So including one who actually plays his position.
1: Yeah. So. I'm mean, look, i not going to hold it against him. You know, and beads a pretty special player. It happens, but he, he's definitely, tr- he, he's trying to make me look bad. If, if nothing else, we'll just jump right in with the Utah game. That's what we're going to talk mm-hmm. about first anyways. So, uh, Lucas, what were, you, what were your takeaways from that game?
2: My, my takeaways are this. First off, Joel Embiid is the best big man when it comes to creating his own shot off the dribble. We've seen him multiple times this year where he's hit ga- game winners taking a guy off the dribble. Maybe AD better, but AD, he's not a true center. If we're going with true centers, Joel Embiid's the best at creating space. He's the best at making his shots, especially in clutch situations. He was the reason that they got to overtime in the first place. 40 points, almost 20 rebounds, 19 rebounds total. Won four, 14 of 27 from the floor. That's over 50%. 2 of 5 from the three-point line. That's over 40%. And 10 of 13 from the foul line. I don't know that off that math off the top of my head, but I'm pretty sure that's high. The guy is unique. The guy the guy should be the front runner of the MVP race. And, yes, he had a recent slump, but... The team was still having a decent record even during that slump. LeBron James, not so much. The Lakers have been struggling. Uh, Jokic, the Nuggets are still not a great team uh, record-wise. The only person that I can see Joel actually having uh, having an argument against Joel is James Harden at this point, but I'm still going to hold those couple weeks in Houston against him. So that's my thought. And the other thing is, Chris, This game may really want to make me believe that you can go to Toby down the stretch and get your points. But he had a really favorable matchup in Bogdan Bogdanovich in that overtime period. And I don't like, yeah, he came away with 20 points. But most of those points came in the last couple minutes of the regulation and overtime. So I I don't know. Chris, what what are your thoughts, man?
1: Yeah, I, I agree with most everything you said. If the current trajectories keep up, if someone other than Joel or Jokic wins MVP, I I might riot. I mean, it's pretty clear that those are the front runners to me right now. Uh, All respect to LeBron and Steph and Dame and Harden and and all those guys. Kawhi. It's like a two-man race. It's Embiid and Jokic. There's no doubt in my mind that one of them should Mm -hmm. win it. Uh, Mm -hmm. Maybe we'll change our tune after, you know, 30 games and... 40 nights or whatever the heck we have coming up after the All-Star right. Mm-hmm. But right now, it's a two-horse race. And from this game specifically, yeah, Toby's going to win some matchups. He's going to lose others. He's really great down the stretch. Wasn't very great before that. For most mm-hmm. of the game, it was a pretty mediocre showing from him. But he, he showed up when it mattered, which is nice. He's, as the roster is built, he's someone who has to show up down the stretch and carry the offense at times. So he, he, he did his job in that respect. Pretty good Ben Simmons game. 8 of 11 from the field. Some really aggressive takes. Not his best work on defense, but still still pretty solid on that end. Donovan Mitchell went like 12 of 34 from the field again. So he, he definitely had his success. And just a really good solid win. The bench units are still atrocious. They still need to shoot more threes. Utah took and made an absurd number of threes in this game. And that almost cost... Philadelphia big time they, they can't look at this game and say oh we pulled it out in the end you know we, we, you know they need to change that and they need to start shooting more threes so it wasn't all positive Utah outplayed them for pretty large stretches of the game there's a great finale some really wonderful plays from the core trio and you know Utah's the best team in the league right now so it's always good to show yourself against these kinds of opponents and, are,
2: are they the best team in the league? I mean, yeah, record-wise, well,
1: record-wise.
2: but Like we said at the beginning of the podcast, bad Donovan Mitchell game. He got ejected for two really kind of like, I, I don't want to say like he was acting like a child, but childish, you know, technical fouls. And I'll, I'll give him a break on the first one because Joel Embiid did not get fouled underneath the basket. Ben did prior to well, Joel As
1: Donovan made very clear, Early in his career, he he does have less experience than Ben Simmons. He is on the younger mm-hmm. side of things, mm-hmm. uh, as he made abundantly clear. But yeah, no, the refs in general made some pretty remarkable calls this game. Uh, not not necessarily good calls, but certainly worthy of remarks. Um, yeah, really aggressive game from the referees, but.
2: And like you said, Gobert did not look like a Defensive Player of the Year candidate in this game, nor the last game that the Utah Jazz played against the Sixers. I'm just saying, Donovan Mitchell won 12 of 34, mostly being guarded by Ben and Matisse. Mostly Ben, though. Yeah. I mean, Chris, Ben has shut down some pretty impressive wings and perimeter players in general this season. I would say the only perimeter player that has actually given him problems is the Aaron Fox that one game. And then Matisse Diablo came in and saved the day. So I mean, overall Ben is looking like the defensive player of the year.
0: So guys, let me tell you about one of our sponsors. The six or cents podcast is sponsored by manscaped who is the best in men's below the waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology development to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Now, Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. Did you hear me? 2 million men worldwide. And today, we have an exclusive offer for our listeners. Check it out. 20% off, plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20. Again, the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. So, if you're wondering what are some cool items that come in the package, no pun intended, The Lawn Mower 3.0 comes inside their brand new Perfect Package, which comes with everything you need to keep trimmed, cut free and smelling nice down there. In addition, the trimmer comes with an LED light for a more precise shave and is waterproof to make your shower shave clean and easy. The Manscaped Perfect Package 3.0 also includes the Crop Preserver, which is an anti-chafing deodorant and moisturizer. So what are you waiting for guys? Stay trimmed and stay fresh for your wife or your significant other. Just use the code FANSIDED20 to get your 20% off and free shipping today. And now, back to the pod.
2: He's winning his individual matchups, and the Sixers are still a top defensive team. I think they're, what, like five or six right now?
1: Yeah, I mean, look, we talk about MVP being a narrative award all the time. So is (laughs) Defensive Player of the Year. Maybe not quite as much, but... Mm-hmm. The narrative is running pretty strong in Ben's favor right now. I, I believe mm-hmm. NBA.com's defensive player of the year ladder finally put Ben at number one. So, you know, the tide is turning. It, 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 there's a very strong chance that Philly has both the MVP and the defensive player of the year this year, which would be a pretty cool development. Still a lot of basketball to play. It's important to say that. And not Nothing is settled at this point. But it's certainly trending in Ben's direction right now. He He's... Mm-hmm. I've sung his praises plenty on this podcast. So,
2: uh, aren't you glad they didn't trade him?
1: <laughs> no. Uh look. Still would have done that trade in a heartbeat, but
2: Ooh, Chris, you're going to get some flack for that one, man.
1: Who who can watch James Harden in the Nets and then give me flack for that?
2: I mean, I'm not disagreeing with you, but there are definitely going to be fans out there that will. Let's look, let's be fair. He's
1: wonderful. He's a top 20 player. I, I'm no disrespect to Ben.
2: He's pushing top fifteen right now, man.
1: Yeah, he he's wonderful. But James Harden's better. But that that's I mean, he is. He is. But yeah. Um
2: one uh, thing that he's... I will say to your thing, if they if Joel and Ben do do get MVP and Defensive Player of the Year this year, the pressure for the Sixers to make the NBA finals will skyrocket. I mean, yeah. I know they've already said that they see see it as a, you know, See it as you know championship or bust. But if those two get those two awards, the media and everybody else will see it at that that way as well. Right now, the Sixers are not the favorite in the East. Let's be real; it's the Nets. And but if they win those awards, like there's going to be a bigger target on their back for sure.
1: Yeah, I agree. They're they're definitely setting the expectations high. Um, I'm really interested to see how the trade deadline goes down. That's really gonna be pretty significant mm. in determining my expectations for this team uh, is what Daryl Morey pulls off at the deadline but
2: I I predicted Danny Green trade he's the most movable piece at yeah. this point
1: I would not be surprised and that.
2: honestly like I love Seth but if the right player comes available Seth might be gone too
1: yeah no no one outside of Joe and Ben is untouchable um, you know I ben. mean
2: Tobias is untouchable but that's because of his contract not because you know his value to the team
1: yeah uh, yeah. Tobias is untouchable in the sense that no one is going to touch him. But, mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, and, and we can move on to the, the Indiana game now. Another Sixers win, a pretty commanding win, 130 to 114 was the final score. Another defensive player of the year candidate who didn't really stand much of a chance against Joel Um, Miles Turner, Demondus Sabonis, yes. was... Shut down pretty effectively offensively by Joel's defense. Only scored 15 points on 12 shots. So, Lucas, what were some of your takeaways from that game?
2: That Shake Milton loves to tease the fan base. Games like this where he has 26 points, 9 of 14 from the field, 3 of 5 from downtown, 4 assists, only 2 turnovers. This is the type of game that gets our fan base really kind of excited for Shake Milton. And they're like, oh, this is what he can be. Guys, I'm here to tell you, at least for this season, Shake Milton's going to stay inconsistent with his scoring. As much as I love Shake, as much as I like Shake, I think that he has a future with this team. He's not going to be that guy that can develop into that third star or that primary playmaker for the Sixers next to Ben. That's not Shake's thing, especially not this season. It's not going to happen. Don't wasn't that this game wasn't that you.
1: the um the anniversary of his 39 point game against the Clippers?
2: I honestly don't know. You so would have the... I'm not sure. Maybe it's just the
1: beginning of March thing.
2: Maybe. Maybe March is his month, man. I'm not sure. Actually, no. The Clippers game was in February. I remember that. That was a February game. But um, it was towards the end of February, so it was close. But, yeah. No. That's that's the way... That, guys, fans, you're going to hate me for this, but don't get fooled by this game. Because in the Jazz game, Shake went... What four of 11 from the field, oh, four from the three point line with 12 points, three assists, and two turnovers. Like, yeah, he was important down the stretch, but let's be real, guys. Shake is inconsistent this year, and I don't. I hope that he can become if he can become consistent and become like that guy that can get you, you know, 17, 18 points a night, great. But right now, he's either feast or famine this year, and yeah, it's-
1: so just the. To mm-hmm. clarify, it actually was March 1st, uh, the Clippers game. I just looked oh, okay. that up. So, okay. maybe it's a March 1st thing, but I, I do agree with all the points you made. I This was an especially good shake game. The Sixers have needed more strong bench performances like this. Furcon mm-hmm. had 19 as well. Mm-hmm. A pretty solid Dwight game. So, the bench was much better than it has been in recent weeks. Most of the supporting cast showed up. Mike Scott got the start and placed it to bias and scored 12 on 4-4 four, four shooting. A half decent Seth game. Then nothing special. So Maxie looks good. Yeah, Maxie got in and, and had some buckets. So really just a solid all-around game. Something that hasn't been the case very often this season when everyone is contributing at a, a fairly high level. And the yeah. Pacers, you know, they're not a great team. They're shorthanded right now. They've Struggled quite a bit after the Oladipo trade. Obviously, they're, they're missing
2: T.J. Warren and Kara Sliver. If they yeah. had those two guys, gosh, they would be they'd be a tough out for anybody in the East. Let me tell you something because I think yeah. those two are really underrated scores, to be honest. Especially yeah. Warren. They're,
1: yeah, they're in a tough spot right now until those guys get back. So, n- not necessarily the Sixers creaming a good team or anything. But still a pretty solid and convincing one against a potential playoff opponent, nonetheless. Um, Shout-out to TJ McConnell, who had a triple-double with 10 steals, I believe, tonight.
2: Uh, Yeah, he had nine of them in the first half, or one of the halves. I forget which half, but he had nine steals in a half.
1: So, a a record-setting performance from TJ, which is is good to see. Um, Not in the Sixers game, but two nights later. Do you you
2: miss TJ? Do you wish he was still here?
1: Of course I miss TJ. I, I would sign him in a heartbeat so like, so do,
2: how much do you blame brand on that one
1: no like look tj was not very good in philly those last couple of years and he probably shouldn't be getting playing time with this group but as like some like like from a, a fan sentimentality perspective i i would not mind tj being on the team mm. i don't think I it's think something he would we
2: can... probably still be getting minutes with this group He's uh,
1: like on the level of Howell Neto. He's like if he's your eleventh, tenth, eleventh guy, that's okay. He he's really quite limited. But and I mean uh, that is that saying something, knowing my opinion of Neto. But
2: um uh, yeah, I'm surprised you talk so badly about Neto. Shame on you. I I know you, you netto uh, apologist. No, but um no, I mean TJ I think you know, I think he would get minutes I think he would be scraping I think he would be that Brian Scalabrini type of guy for Doc Rivers. You know what I mean? Like you always have those guys in Doc Rivers rotation that it's just like do they really have business being in the rotation, but they're in the rotation anyway. Like Quorkmaz is this year.
1: Yeah, well I mean the thing with Quorkmaz is just that they don't have anyone else, you know. Yeah. Um, tj TJ this doesn't fit they they really need shooting and he de- doesn't shoot nearly enough. but i I, I still love TJ dearly so mm-hmm. for sure.
2: I think you know I, I definitely think he would be a help. but I think it's time for us to move on, Chris and there there is something that we gotta talk about here. and for fans, especially that live in the greater Philadelphia area, there is some good news. And that is the fact that the Sixers are starting to open up their doors to fans and that will be their the first game that fans will be allowed back in the stands is March 14th against the Spurs and that's after the All-Star game. So what is your thoughts on that, Chris?
1: Um, you know, I it, it's tough, you know, given the circumstances. It's really I'm not an epidemiologist, I don't consider myself a medical expert, but it's pretty clear given the circumstances, you know, we have a, a very contagious virus that has killed over 500,000 Americans, and we probably shouldn't be gathering 3,000 people in a closed venue. Might not be the best idea. It, it will probably benefit the Sixers from a home court advantage perspective, and it will put money in ownership's pockets, which is, you know, all good and well, I guess, but from, from a, a community health and safety standpoint, it's probably probably not the best, probably a little early to be opening up the stadium, but it, it is what it is.
0: Well,
2: I'll say this, Chris, as you know, I, I work in education and um, most of you guys know I, I live in the state of Virginia and only uh, th- basically only a third of the school districts are open in Virginia for students to come in person And my school district is one of them. And, you know, there are some schools that do better with, you know, containing, you know, COVID than others. But uh, my school, I would like to say, uh, has had a very small number of cases overall. And, you know, we have, you know, at least two to three hundred people in a building any given day. So it's possible to do this safely. You know, that's a lot of self-monitoring on uh, people's parts in general, but I think it's possible. Um, obviously, there's some risk, but if you're going to the game, then you know that you are putting yourself and possibly other people, you know, at risk. And it's it's a conscious decision. I mean, I, you know, I would hope that people are responsible, but the risk you got to take, I
1: guess, at this point. Yeah, I, I was like, if you're going to a game, please wear your mask double mask if you uh, feel up to it and try to try to keep away from people as best you can um like like obviously people need to follow the health and safety guidelines i do think school is a more important service than a basketball game yeah and 3000 is a pretty different pretty pretty sizable difference in numbers but
2: to be yeah. fair, the, the stadium is much bigger than the school that I work yeah. at. So,
1: <laughs> yeah, Of course. But, yeah, I mean, this is just the way most cities seem to be going now. This is going to be inevitable in all 30 stadiums at some point. So if you you do decide to go to a game, just you know, be careful, wear your mask, and, and take the precautions necessary uh, to keep you and your family members safe. But, yeah.
2: So I guess the other on on the same vein of it, Chris, do you miss going to live sports sporting events? And do you have a favorite memory from one that you attended in the past?
1: Yeah, I I, I miss it. I can't say I have the most robust live sports experience. Um, I have fairly fond memories of going to a Braves game or two when I was little. Um, I've been to a handful of Hawks games. I've been to at least. Two Hawks Sixers games. I, I, I live outside Atlanta. For those who don't know, my my freshman year of college before I transferred to UGA, I went to the vast majority of like home Georgia Tech basketball games, um, which were quite enjoyable. There was at least one or two buzzer beaters there. Um, I was in the building for Loyola, Loyola Marymount's uh, Elite Eight victory in Atlanta uh, a couple years back. So. I have some good memories. I've I've had some really fun experiences within, you know, live sporting events. Not too many unfortunately that are are Philly specific since I I'm not in Philly, but yeah, it's definitely something I miss and something I hope to uh get back to once it's once it's safe.
2: So, um first off, I'm surprised you didn't have gone to any football games.
1: Um, I have been to some UGA football games okay. and some Texas okay. football games. Oh, yeah.
2: Okay. So besides like high school sports, because we're not going to count those because that's that's a long list. Um, If we're talking college or, you know, college or professional, to I grew up going to minor league baseball games, even though I didn't like it. But, you know, it was the thing to do with your parents back then, I guess. Um, (laughs) Not a baseball fan. Sorry for those listening who are. I'm not a baseball fan. I had a terrible experience going to Little League and I will never play the sport ever again. That being said, um, I have gone to two West Virginia games, one basketball, one football. Those were fun. Um, I I saw the basketball game back when John Beeline was the coach of WVU. That was fun. The football game, Pat White was the quarterback of West Virginia. And for those West Virginia fans slash Sixers fans watching, it was the game where he took the team to overtime against Cincinnati. I believe that was the fun. I was six. It was my 16th birthday gift there for my dad. Uh, that was pretty memorable. Uh, people were going crazy in the stands. Uh, let me think here. I've been to two Sixers games, um, from De- Delaware originally. So whenever I, I am home, I try to get two Sixers games. First one was the fourth game of the 2013 14 season when the Sixers started out three and zero, and that was their first loss against the Golden State Warriors. No, it was the Whichever game, it was the season when Spencer Halls, Thad Young, Michael Carter-Williams, all of them was, so yeah, that was 13-14. And they played against the Warriors, and Warriors just got Iggy on their team. So it was Iggy's homecoming of sorts as a, you know, Warriors, and the Warriors blew us out. And then the other one was a couple years back, Process Sixers. And uh, I forget who they played. We ended up losing. I remember Dario was kind of in and out of the game. Then I've been to three or four Bluecoats games slash 87ers games. And I remember the one where the then 87ers played against Seth Curry and the uh, Erie Bayhawks. Seth Curry and Peyton Siebel was their point guard on the other team as well for the Bayhawks. They lit up the blue. Well, the then '87ers. Now that was a fun game, and I knew back then I was like, "This guy should be in the NBA," and now he's on the Sixers. So, outside of that, oh, I went. I've been to one professional football game, and that was the uh, Washington. Well, then Washington Redskins, now Washington football team versus the Eagles on Monday night. And Mike and I'm a Washington fan, by the way. So I'm sorry for fans that, you know, it is what it is, guys. I, I grew up in Delaware, Washington has my football team, Philly has my basketball team, take it as it is, but um, Mike Vick was the quarterback for the Eagles, and he tore us up that game because we had McNabb, it was the year that we got McNabb from the Eagles, and Mike Vick was just like, let me let me tear you guys up on Monday Night Football, and that was my 18th birthday gift, so Yeah. Not not a great birthday then. I think we actually left early because the game was a blowout and it was starting to rain. So, yeah, those are just some of my memories anyway.
1: Nice, yeah. I mean, I, I do really enjoy going to, to see live sports. Um, I, I mean, just random credit to Georgia Tech, who tends to hold really nice venues. I, I really enjoy being on that campus. Uh, a bit sacrilegious considering I go to UGA, but shout-out to Georgia Tech. Um, Mm hmm. And yeah, I, I, I really do love live sporting events and hope to, oh, yeah. to go to many more once they're they're back in full swing. Uh,
2: oh, I forgot. I went to a Tampa Bay Lightning's. My mom used to live in Tampa uh, when I was a teenager and uh, a friend of hers had season tickets to a lightning season tickets for lightning's game. So I got to go see them. I forget who they were playing, but I got a picture with their cheerleaders as a 16-year-old. That is definitely a win for me. So. <laughs>
1: nice. Uh, yeah. yeah I, I mean, I've been to um, an Atlantic Gladiators game, which is like a AAA hockey team or whatever. Okay. Around where I live, which knowing nothing about hockey, I have, I remember it being quite fun. So,
2: Oh, yeah. It's fun. Hockey is one of those sports that you can't really watch it on TV, but if you see it live,
1: it's a lot more fun. At least that's my yeah. opinion anyway. Mm-hmm. And, and moving on now uh, to talk some more Sixers we're going to talk about team chemistry which is is pretty clearly in a much better place this season than it was last year for a variety of different factors I'm just going to quote Shake Milton here uh, the chemistry has been great there's no clicks there's no groups everybody is together everybody's as one and you can definitely see it translating onto the court he uh, said that to Kai Carlin it was the reporter, that's now Shake and Ben, who recently have made some pretty strong public comments about the team's improved chemistry this season, Lucas. How would you evaluate the Sixers' chemistry right now, and what do you think the cause is of this improved uh, dynamic on and off the court?
2: Well, first off, Kai Carlin is you know good writer for the Sixers' wire for USA Today. Wouldn't mind having you on the show, Kai. Yeah, that's right. I'm calling you out. Come on the show, talk with us, Sixers. We would love to have you. But more importantly than that, getting to the actual question at hand, I think it's twofold here. I think um, from a player's perspective, it's definitely Dwight Howard. Which I think it's fair to say, if we said that two years ago, we if we if you would have told either one of us that two years ago, we would have laughed in your face. But it's true. Him playing, you know, his humbling experience, learning that he could have been out of the league and playing with a great team chemistry guy like Dwight Howard. I mean, LeBron James in, with the Lakers has really transformed Dwight into uh, the opposite of a locker room cancer a locker room, you know, I don't know what you would call the opposite of a locker room cancer, but a glue guy, I guess you would say in a sense. So from the player's perspective, it's Dwight all the way. From uh, I think if we're going from a non-player's perspective, the answer is pretty obvious. Here's Doc Rivers. Doc has always been able to bring guys together. Whether or not he can keep them together, that's a different story. Ask Boston Celtics Big Three with Ray John Rondo, Ray Allen. But for the time being, he can definitely bring guys together. And that's what's happening this year, for sure.
1: Yeah, I, I agree on all fronts. I think player-wise, the addition of veterans with championship experience like Dwight, like Danny Green especially, has really helped quite a bit. I think the fact that the roster just fits better and the encore product is easier to execute it helps quite a bit. It's much less frustrating to watch for us, and I'm sure it's much less frustrating for Joel, who has clearly just been much improved in terms of body language this season. So some of that credit goes to Daryl Morey. Um, if we want to go back to what Jimmy Butler said forever ago about not knowing who's in charge, Bringing in guys like Maury and Doc and establishing Mm -hmm. a clearer power structure probably puts guys at ease. So I think just a lot of different factors go into this. Chemistry is a pretty hard thing to measure. It's it's an intangible that's hard to, you know, put your finger on. But it is clear that the vibe around this team is much better this season. And, you know, credit to Doc, credit to Daryl, credit to the team credit to joe and ben and tobias and everyone for just stepping up and playing better which i'm sure improves the mood of uh, of everyone else around them so
2: well let me let me ask you this chris um before we move on do you think you know what doc rivers has had to deal with with uh you know chris paul and blake griffin in the past and that's well documented that those two had like different factions inside the Clippers locker room. Do you think that, you know, that rough experience helped Doc to, you know, mend what other, what, pot, what may or may not have been, you know, potential bridges between Joel and Ben this season? Because obviously they're getting along great now.
1: Yeah, I mean, I do think it's notable that Joe and Ben seem much closer than they have been in the past. Um, Doc has obviously dealt with a lot of big personalities in Boston and then in L.A. I mean, even last season there were pretty clearly some – Fissures in that locker room. So yeah, with uh
2: Montrose yeah. Harrell and, uh, Paul George, right? I think that's what that will has been reported
1: anyway. Yeah. So some very, very recent experience for doc, um, as far as locker room issues go, but yeah, I, I, I don't know who gets, I don't think any one person gets all the credit, but again, it's just very clear that this team is in a much better mental space than they were Last season, like like people are happier, people are smiling more on the court. People are talking more glowingly about teammates off the court. Some of that is Doc, some of that's Daryl, some of that's the players on the team. You know, so it's everyone.
2: Mm Hmm. But you know, not every single player on the Sixers roster is with the Sixers roster right now, Chris. And we're going to segue into the team's G League affiliate, the Delaware Bluecoats, who have overall been looking pretty good. They had a rough stretch. Uh, they started out like 7-0, and and then they had a rough stretch recently. But, you know, help is coming to them. But first we're going to talk about the main star of that team, which has to be two-way rookie Paul Reed. Me, you and I both have written about him. Uh, he got player of the week the first week of the G League. He's been averaging, uh, I believe, like, what, 22 and 11 and like two and a half blocks or somewhere around there. The guy's been going insane. He's been shooting forty two percent from the three point line this this year in the G League. Chris, what are your thoughts about Paul Reed?
1: Well, first, his name is B Ball Paul. Oh, my bad. My bad. And secondly, yes, he will be the sixth or second MVP of the season, which is nice. So
2: Ooh, is that is that is that a bold statement? Is that a bold prediction? prediction like, that you're making I don't right? I don't
1: watch enough G League to have an actual informed opinion on it, but it seems uh, like so he's the, in the race. Like,
2: oh, he's definitely in the race for sure. Late, uh,
1: glance over the the G League stats on the G League website. Paul Reed's pretty prominently featured there, so. It's great to see him performing the way he has. I think he was a really great value pick in the 50s. I had him rated at least like 10 or 15 spots higher than where Philly got him. Um, Still a fairly raw prospect by NBA standards, but a very springy athlete who can create a lot of problems for teams with his defense, with his range, as he hones in that part of his skill set, as he continues to improve that three-point shot. He, he's looking like someone who could develop into a real player.
2: Yeah, I think he can end up being, a, a, you know, big off the bench in the future. Um, one thing that I will say that he definitely needs to work on that's being, you know, you, that he's starting to show a little bit of improvement in the G league is that to start off with Chris, he was oh, he has had at least six fouls and at least like three or four games this season in the G league he's averaging I think last time I did rookie the week uh rookie report on Sunday he was averaging like 4.5 fouls like I know it's the G league and you know you don't have to worry about your foul but come on man you got you got to do a little bit better I mean that that would probably be the one area of his game that needs to improve is just being smarter on the defensive end you know and hopefully that 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 you know, fouls per game goes down. It has started to go down recently. We'll see what happens, but you know, I do like his game. I don't, I hope that the three point shooting will translate to the NBA once he comes back to the team. Um, but yeah, you're right. He was, he seems to be a good value pick. Um, we will definitely have to see if he can fit in more of a role player versus being a star. Cause that's what he's the star player of the blue coats right now. um, But we'll definitely have to wait and see on that. But Chris, as I mentioned earlier, you know, he's not going to be the only guy going to be able to help the Bluecoats, you know, Sixers rookie. Uh, It was reported by Noah Levick that Isaiah Joe will be going to join Reed in the Bluecoats. So what are your thoughts about Joe going to the Bluecoats after he almost supplanted, you know, Corkmaz last week in the rotation?
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't have a problem with it. I I would (laughs) – for him to be playing over Cork Maz, but he is a, a rookie. He'll get more playing time in the G League in um, a starring role where he can maybe build some confidence. And again, we're going into the All-Star break, so he's going to be able to play over the next week or so when the team isn't. So I, I really think there there's nothing to complain about. Uh, the Sixers have still won their last two games, so it's not like they're desperately missing him or anything. And yeah, I mean, he's a second-round pick he's getting reps where he might not be getting them in the NBA and I'm I'm sure he's going to be very productive there. So and no complaints from me.
2: Yeah, no, for sure. And like, like I've said in the past, Rivers does not have a, you know, history of playing rookies a lot. So, and I mean, even at this point, Maxi might even, you know, stand to, you know, get some benefit if he went down there, but it's not a normal G league season. So it doesn't make sense for him to do that now. But yeah, no, I think Joe's definitely going to get some, you know, some playing time. I think he needs it to develop. Um, I'm not really worried about, you know, his his uh, three-point shooting. His defense will only improve with playing time. You know, other areas of his game, I would like to see some better play. But, I mean, right now, all you're really looking for him is to jack up three-pointers and to be able to, you know, guard his position at an average rate, which... We've seen that in flashes, but I think the G League will definitely give him some more reps to do that and improve in those areas for sure. But before we move on, Chris, let me ask you though: do Do you think Maxi should ask to go down to play for the uh, for the Blue Coats, or do you think the six? Do you think he's still that guy that they need just in case something happens with Shake or Ben?
1: Uh, I mean, yeah, I don't think he should ask to go down. I they need some type of depth because once you get past him, it's just like Terrence Ferguson and the two backup centers that, uh, you know, Bradley and Poirier. So mm-hmm. Sixers don't have a, a ton of meat on the bones when it comes to the bench. So you, you got to have someone who can, you know, dribble the basketball and do something, which Maxi can in flashes. Um, he, he hasn't been very good of late. Obviously he's out of the rotation at this point, but he's still a pretty promising prospect. Who's going to get his run every now and then in garbage time and in certain matchups, so I, I, I think I definitely think they should keep him around.
2: Man, I, I if I was Ferguson or Poirier, I would be tempted to ask to go down myself because what well, Ferguson is only in his fourth year and Poirier's in his second year. I mean and there there doesn't seem any path for them getting playing time anytime soon. Though I do have to give um Ferguson his credit after playing like six or seven games so far this season. Against the Pacers, he finally made his first basket.
1: Yeah, so of course I'm I mean, being
2: facetious, but he he he's obviously not been he hasn't been called upon, and when he has, he hasn't been looking good.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm really not, you know, I'm not really putting much of any stock into Ferguson at this point. Poirier, like, too, in his defense, he is pretty much like a veteran who spent time over in the Euro League. That's so true. It's not really his, you know, second year in the traditional yeah. sense, but he he's also pretty clearly not going to get much of any playing time ever on this team. Mm-hmm. He's honestly probably going to. I would not be surprised if he ends up going back to Europe in the next year or two. It doesn't really seem like he's going to cut it in the league, but yeah, no, I not, not when really. When it comes to Paul Reed and Isaiah Joe, I think I think the early signs are pretty positive,
2: for sure. So Chris, this last topic is Sixers, but also uh, Sixers related, but it's also something that's related to you know your personal fandom as well. So do you want to get into I'm it? I'm
1: not a Hawks fan. I don't know why you guys <laughs> keep saying that.
2: We just give you grief because you're there and you 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 briefly covered them for the painted lines.
1: Yeah. So yeah, obviously, Lloyd Pierce was fired over the. Uh... Early in this week, the the Hawks are now 16-20 and on the season. Spent a lot of money this offseason on the likes of Danilo Gallinari, Bogdan Bogdanovich, and Rajon Rondo. After all of whom have gotten hurt or played career-worst seasons, I mean, Gallo has been absolutely terrible after putting together a really strong year in OKC. So we
2: do have to give him credit for, you know, slacking the Celtics. Thank you, Gallo.
1: yeah. Good, good on you, Danilo. Um, but Lloyd Pierce is out now. It's pretty clear that the Hawks want to start winning some games, want to start making the playoffs, make that playoff push. They, they aren't doing that right now. Nate McMillan has stepped in as the um, interim head coach. It was reported that he you know, talked it over with Lloyd Pierce and got, got permission before he accepted that job. He was reportedly fiercely loyal to Lloyd Pierce. So it's clear that Uh, There's a pretty strong bond there, but Pierce is now a a coaching free agent. The Hawks are now presumably going in a different direction. Lucas, what were some of your thoughts on that that move?
2: I thought it was a little weird considering that he just had the birth of his second child. Um, And like you said, the Hawks haven't been healthy and their veterans haven't been playing good. The only person that really has stepped up their game this season has been DeAndre Hunter, and he's been off and on, you know, injury-wise. So I thought it was a little premature. I mean, I get that they want to try the win now because they want to try to maximize Trey's window. But if you're trying the win now, don't sign old veteran V free agents. You got to try the swing for the big fences because Guys like those, I mean, yeah, they're going to help develop your young guys. But at the same time, if you're really wanting to make a big push, you need to do a little bit better than Gallinari, Rondo. Uh, I mean, Bogdanovich was a nice signing and so, training for Capella you know, last season. But at the same time, like they could have done different. They should have approached it differently. Um, but I will say this. He is going to get a job. Very quickly, I I think he's a more than capable head coach um, and coach in this league. Very outspoken for, uh, you know, he definitely helped a lot in the Georgia community for sure. And he was an assistant for Greg Popovich on the USA team. So I honestly wouldn't be surprised if Pop gave him a call. That's where I think he's going to end up landing in, in San Antonio as an assistant.
1: Yeah, I mean, just a grade a human being that was very clear from his time in Philadelphia under Brett Brown and even more abundantly clear in Atlanta when he was under the spotlight. Um, you mentioned that I had the chance to cover him. I I, I didn't have too many interactions with him, but just a really enjoyable guy to be around, very intelligent about the game um, from my experience, obviously. I mean, he, he has all the, all of the tools and pedigree needed to be a head coach again. I, I definitely think he should be a head coach again. I think he's very capable. I don't think Atlanta struggles really fall on him. Um, some pretty deep flaws on that roster. I, I don't think handing out $20 million to Danilo Gallinari to be your backup power forward was ever a good idea. But the fact that he has played as poorly as he has and been one of the worst defenders in basketball has, has not helped that look better. And again, the Hawks have just been battered and bruised by injuries all season. They haven't had a healthy roster pretty much at all. I mean, this was supposed to be one of the deepest teams in basketball because of all that money they spent. And they just haven't been able to get everyone on the court. So it's really tough for me to like place the blame on Lloyd Pierce when it comes to their struggles. Um, there's that report that Trey Young and others in the locker room were maybe looking for a change and maybe there were some fissures there. But Generally speaking, from all you know, accounts of Lloyd Pierce as an assistant in Philly and Cleveland and other spots, all the players loved him. I know LeBron was a big fan of him in Cleveland. All the Philadelphia guys, you know, spoke glowingly of him. Brett Brown raved about him time and time again. It, it seems like he's pretty capable of developing good relationships. Um, and again, just a very, uh, a, a very intelligent coach who. Did a lot of great work, as you mentioned, in the community, especially over the summer when the, the social justice movements were going on. Just a lot of great stuff from him, getting people out to vote, et cetera. And I, I do think he's going to be head coach, again, hopefully very soon
2: certainly but you know i th- I, th- I think on that note I, I think it's time for us to wrap things up chris do you want to play us out but um you know we certainly wish coach pierce luck in the future and of course joel Embiid and Beaton benson is the one res- their respective awards that they're in the candidates to see for
1: definitely best of luck to, to lloyd pierce and uh, apology to utah fans who are, are forced to cheer for such a fraudulent contender um gosh Chris
2: <laughs> okay, okay. Um,
1: but yeah yeah. to all our listeners we, we always appreciate you tuning in and giving us the time of week to talk Sixers basketball if you can give us a follow, a like a comment, a review what have you on iTunes, Google Play wherever you are listening it would really really help us out five stars if you feel we are worthy And we have some very exciting guests coming up in the near future. So please continue to tune in, and hopefully um, we'll have some more exciting Sixers content next week. Thanks, everyone.